If you're clapping, do it very well. Let's do it very well. Lift your two hands to Jesus tonight all over this place. Father, we thank you for your presence that is already here. We honor you. Without you, we can do nothing. We acknowledge that tonight. So we put us, ourselves aside. And we ask that you show forth your glory, your grace, your wisdom, and your power we ask that you make tonight's gathering a gathering of empowerment let revelation or let flow freely unhindered uninterrupted by any demonic or satanic force we take our authority in the spirit and declare liberty over this place so we declare tonight that there shall be healing in this place there shall be restoration of hope there shall be deliverances there shall be restoration of joy restoration of peace divine understanding and we will never be the same again and all who believe shout a big amen. amen let's put our hands together one more time and celebrate jesus hallelujah please take your seat take your seat it's such a joy and a pleasure to be here i know i've not been here for midweek um in a while and so once in a while i was sneaking like this for midweek just to enjoy what you guys enjoy um, during the week and i must say that just from participating in the second part of the worship i felt a lot of refreshing in my spirit and um, i wonder what has happened to people who have been here from beginning <laughs> who have been a part of the first worship and the second worship it's just a great place to be uh you know in the middle of the week where many things are pulling for your attention and you know you're struggling to uh, remain, you know, balanced emotionally. You just, just, you know, just come into switch and uh, become so refreshed in your spirit. Gain strength, uh, you know, to to pull through and to keep winning. Let me look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, say, keep winning. Uh, that's your heritage. Oh, you're not saying it with energy. Tell your neighbor, say, keep winning. That's your heritage. Uh, glory be to Jesus. And I want to appreciate uh, uh, Pastor Debo and the entire pastoral team. Of the great work. Anytime I come in here, I just, um, I just, I, I'm just happy. Let me just put it that way. I'm just happy about uh, the great things that are happening here. Praise God. If you are new at the Elevation Church, or maybe you're fellowshiping with us for the first time today, or you've been away for a while and you're just uh, coming back, we've been on a series of teaching that we, we've titled "Choose Life." We started this about two weeks ago as we move into the month of May, and it's been gaining momentum gaining momentum. We started from our anchor scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19. He said that set before you uh, um, life and death, blessing and cursing and he said choose life that you and your descendants may live. Moses speaking under the inspiration of God and speaking to Israel and speaking to you and I emphasizing the fact that in life we have to make choices and we make choices on a daily basis. And the way our life is turning out is as a result of the aggregation of choices that we have made over a period of time. 
we have emphasized since the beginning of this teaching series, that whether uh, um, you're, you're, you're rating everything based on the choices that people have made for you or the choices that you have made personally, you still have to come to terms with the fact that your uh, decisions determine destiny and where you are today is as a result of the choices that you have made. Now, some people may be listening to me tonight and you're saying that, oh, if, uh, if not that somebody made a choice for me, if not for my parents or if not for this authority figure or this, that, 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 I wouldn't be where I am now. And by that I meant that yeah, you don't like where you are. I wanted to know that the reason why we're teaching this series is to jack you up to the uh, realization of the fact that you can change where you are uh, by making the right choices now. And I also have said before that this series then also seeks to empower you. And that's why you can't limit it to just coming to church on Wednesday and Sunday uh, uh, or Thursday and Sunday and just listening to the message. You have to get the messages and listen to them. Listen to them. Sometimes you may even have to get <laughs> both the island and the mainland message, listen to the two so that you can have buffet. <laughs> like Pastor Debo was saying earlier on. Yeah. Uh, 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 I, I, I know by now you know that whatever I, 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 I preach on the mainland or island is the same thing that is preached here. I hope you understand what I'm saying because it's the same stream of knowledge and wisdom that is flowing. And I'm saying that you need to end this series with a divine empowerment to make the right choices. So I'm continuing in the same breath uh, this evening uh, with the time that I have uh, to share again on a very important area when it comes to decision making and getting empowered to make better choices. I'm speaking to a topic that I've titled, uh, actually I must confess that I had a bit of struggle uh, giving a title to this message, but um, somehow I believe this will work. I call it authority abusers and control freaks. <laughs> authority abusers and control freaks. Uh, praise God. I said praise God. Uh, some, somebody is still trying to maybe make sense, make <laughs> some sense out of uh, uh, the, the, the title of the message. In life, from time to time, we come to a realization of the fact that in a bid to make decisions, uh, we are not actually the ones making the decisions. Some people are making the decisions for us. And sometimes it happens in an ungodly manner. That's what I want to speak to you tonight. How do you deal with authority abusers and control freaks that the devil will put around your life uh, to take decisions for you that may not lead you to where you are supposed to be going in life? From time to time, people encounter authority abusers and we encounter control freaks around us. People who just want to stay in control of your life and dictate, you know, how your life should go. Sometimes, uh, um, the witch that flies at night is not as powerful as the one that doesn't fly, but has the power of manipulation. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Real witchcraft is not about flying. If you are flying, you can fly. So far, it doesn't affect me. It's okay. <laughs> but when you now gain the power of control to manipulate my decision making and to dictate what I do, 
without, uh, uh, you know, with, with, without that being in sync with what God wants to do in my life, whether you fly or not, you are a witch. <laughs> I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. After 20 years of pastoring, more than 20 years of pastoring, my understanding from counseling, from just relating with people, pastoring, you know, diverse congregations, I, I, you know, I've come to terms with the fact that a conclusion, you know, to the end that some people are actually under the control of other people. It's almost like there's a spare on them to just do the wish of other people and just dance to their whims and caprices. They, they, they find it difficult to make up their own mind on what to do and just do it. That's what I'm speaking to tonight and I'm going to pray trusting God that some people here will be completely set free from such authority abusers and control freaks. Because the devil that plays such people around you. And it can be so bad sometimes that some of us can also be authority abusers and control freaks and we're not aware of it. Uh, presuming innocence does not change anything. You just need to understand that you know, comporting yourself in this kind of manner is not helping other people and it may not be helping you as well. Some of us are in relationships here tonight. I'm going to speak to you. How you should not abuse your authority in your relationships or become a control freak because it's going to alter the things that God has in mind for you. Let's start out from Genesis chapter 1. I'll read from verse 26. The first mention of the word dominion in the Bible. The first mention of the word dominion. In the Bible. So Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. The Bible says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have what? I cannot hear you. Let them have over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the hair and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping things that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Praise God. The Bible says, God speaking, let us make man our image and after our likeness and let them have what? Again, again, again. Look at your neighbor and say dominion. Say it like dominion. Let your face reflect dominion. <laughs> I'm going somewhere. Some people are saying dominion and they are smiling. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, can I have a second mic? There was something I did on the Highland, you know, uh, last night that I want to do again. I just need two people. Perhaps if it's possible, a male and a female. Just assume, all of us as we sit down here right now, listen to me. Assume that you have a blank drawing sheet and you have a pencil i want you to draw an image that represents dominion to you what does dominion mean to you can can we think about it in a brief moment let's assume that you have a blank page and you have a pencil yeah what will you draw if i say draw an image of dominion <laughs> I paused because I wanted to think about it. Because I want to take some response. So what you should have drawn, I wanted to say it. Yeah. Anybody? 
volunteers. One, pre- one person maybe from here and there. Yeah, I can see a hand there. Pastor Deborah, where are you going? Leave the pastors. Leave the pastors. They talk too much. Let's listen to, uh, today. <laughs> they, are, they are the ones always talking. Let other people talk today. Yes. I see a hand from a lady there. So, what, what, what have you drawn in your mind? What was it like? A Can king? you describe it? Yeah. A king. A king. Yes. What kind of king? What does he look like? A king sitting on the throne. He sits on the throne. Yes. He's wearing a crown, yes. right? Okay. So a king. Okay. Uh, um, another response. Yeah. Yes. A lion roaring and other animals hiding. Hiding and running. Yes. Yes. A lion that is roaring and everybody just ro- running. Yes. Okay. Uh, um, come to this side, Pastor D. This side. Let's take one, one more response from here and I'll move on with my message. Apologies to all the people that I may not be able to take your response. We're just sampling. Quickly. My brother, yeah. Uh, God okay. bless you. The world, then a big man standing and like grabbing around it. Like the globe? Yes. Then so a big man that is holding yes. it like this to himself? Yes. Jesus. <laughs> That's a whole new level, right? <laughs> Let's clap for all of them. <laughs> Praise God. When I said, draw an image that represents dominion on your mind, what I'm trying to get at is that I want to get your perspective, your frame of reference when you hear the word dominion. A lot of the time, when you need to do stuff like that, you do it from either your experience, where you are coming from, or something. Because for some people here, I mean, last night when I asked this question on the island, somebody said, a lady actually said, when I hear dominion, I just see men, a lot of them, men, men. Yeah, yeah. She, she didn't say it, but she, almost like saying wicked men, men. That was, that was how she described it. The whole congregation just went away at the, ah, I have to quickly allow a man to speak and I warned him, please help us. <laughs> you know, so when people talk about, so, I mean, uh, um, someone was talking to me after service yesterday and said, you know, really, Pastor, when I, when I hear dominion, all I just think about is my father. Yeah, because he was the ruler of our family. Yes. And now, even in his old age, he's still ruling. <laughs> you know, I, I, I used to pastor a, a, a young lady uh, when, I was, when I was pastoring at Daystar, and this lady got a job and told me that her dad said um, she couldn't take the job. And I said, why? And he said it was because her dad wanted her to work. Uh, she got a job in a bank, and her dad said if she doesn't get a job at Central Bank and First Bank, that those are the two banks that cannot go down. <laughs> that she doesn't get a job at Central Bank or First Bank, she should not take it. And it was a, t- a serious issue. And this lady was like, what kind of, you know, what kind of man is this? She was, she was literally crying, talking about it. I've looked for a job, look for, this man is not even helping. And how got this one? He's still saying I cannot take it. I mean, in my heart as a pastor, I was almost like, uh, go for it. You know, <laughs> you know, just, just go for it. You have to start your career. You have to... Somehow, that case was resolved. 
And then, she was about to change jobs. Her dad asked her to bring the pay slip where she was working before and the new letter for a meeting for them to decide. And I mean, when you talk about overparenting, <laughs> because the moment <laughs> you start to do that with a lady in her mid-twenties, you're stepping, you're, you're crossing the line into overparenting. Somebody say overparenting. I know a few parents, are, I mean, a few of us here tonight are already parenting. Some people will join parenting soon. You need to learn from what I'm sharing tonight. The Bible says here that God gave us dominion. But not over other human beings, but all of his creatures. That presupposes that a man ordinarily should not have dominion over another man. A man can have Authority, leadership over another man, but not dominion. Because the word dominion is so strong. God had to delegate it to man. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. God had to delegate it to man to be in control of. But we live in a world today where people want to rule and reign over other people. And determine and de- decide how their lives should turn out. And there's no better way to run short of destiny than for you to submit to stuff like that. On, I mean, unduly. Just submit unduly to stuff like that. This message tonight is not intended to raise rebellious people. But it's intended to help you to put your life in proper perspective. So that you can make better decisions. Because we're discussing choices and decisions. First and foremost, I need you to understand that God will hold you responsible for the decisions that you take. You cannot say it's because Pastor so-and-so said I should do it. That's why I did it. God gave you the Holy Spirit and also gave the pastor the Holy Spirit. The work of pastors, for instance, when we talk about spiritual authority, I'm going to talk about tonight, I'm going to talk about how to see if you are in a controlling relationship And I'm also going to talk about the dynamics of power and authority. And what godly authority looks like. So you understand, when you see authority, you you can rate it, whether this is a godly authority or not. And how you should maneuver in the midst of all that. That's what I'm speaking to. Alright? So, we have all been given dominion. And it's to enhance our power of choice. The moment I lose the capacity to make decisions about the most important things in my life, I lose my sense of self-worth. I am robbed of the image of God that I carry. And I cannot make real progress in life. Glory be to Jesus. I said glory be to Jesus. Before I go into the signs... That you are under unhealthy control of another person. I want to talk about, and this will lead us there in a very good way. I want to talk about the issue of power balance in a relationship. The simplest way to describe this is that even in a, a dating relationship, the moment you get into any kind of relationship with anybody, whether it's a business relationship, whether it's a, a love relationship, uh, any kind of relationship, even relationship between siblings, there is the issue of power balance. 
whenever you get into a relationship, the first thing that people go for is to decide how the power balance will be, where the shift will be. In a marriage relationship, the power balance may tilt so much towards the woman or to, so much towards the man. In a dating relationship, as we are starting out, and if you are listening to me tonight and you are single, you are young, please listen. In a dating relationship, you need to pay attention to the power balance from the beginning. If not, <laughs> you may get yourself into what may not work for you on the long run. Part of the reason why marriages are failing faster than ever before today is that there's a power play that is going on that people are oblivious to and then they get into marriage and then the power play, the power balance tilts in one direction and we are reacting. See, anyone that is still in the right emotional state, the right spiritual state, will react to an imbalance in the power equation. Can I explain what I'm saying better? How many of us here um, I'm taking a risk, but I would try. How many of us have watched Coming to America? The Eddie Murphy movie. <laughs> it's an old one. Yeah. Uh, in that movie, what did maybe, it will probably be about 25 years ago now. When his father was trying to get him a wife, you remember that they brought one lady. Yeah. I think she started out by asking what her name was. And he said, whatever you call me. <laughs> Something silly like that. He said, uh, what do you like to eat? It's whatever you like to eat, my lord. <laughs> to the point that, at a point, Eddie Murphy told her, back like a dog. And she actually did, whoo, whoo, whoo. He said, jump like an orangutan. And you <laughs> You see, in that relationship, the power balance has completely shifted in the direction of the prince. Am I saying the truth? The lady completely was worshipping him and he was supposed to marry her. He looked at her and was, he shook his head. That, ah, I don't want to marry someone like this. That was why he took the trip and had to go to America and, you know, try to, you know, cover up himself and until he was able to get somebody that, you know, he even had to run after her and do and all that before. And where he was coming from, as a prince, anything goes. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. From that, from this description, do you understand what I mean by power balance? Yeah. When you get into a relationship, there's a need for respect. That's how we start to distribute the power. You give me respect. You know, it's give and take. You see the power equilibrium straightening out. The way we talk to each other and all that. In a, in a good relationship, there is a power balance that creates an opportunity for vulnerability. I hope I'm not being too... Yeah. That's why I can talk to you that I don't like how you spoke to me yesterday. And you can say, oh, I'm not, I, I, I didn't know, I'm sorry. Not that you didn't like the way I spoke to you. Is something wrong with you? 
When, when did we get to that level? You understand? I, I speak to you how, how I like. Am I saying the truth today? I, I speak to you how I like. Who dash monkey banana? You know, there are people in the relationship today that they are to be spouse or their spouse speaks to them like that. Yeah. If you are in a dating relationship and somebody is speaking to you like that, you are in soup. Jump out. Yeah. You, you, it's already a, a bad case. Just step out first. Stepping out sometimes can shift the power equilibrium. <laughs> I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Because the person will just wake up to say, ah, I am not the sole custodian of power in this relationship. We need to balance this thing somehow. How somebody is listening to me tonight. Why is this important? It's important because where the power balance is shifting to is already determining the decisions that will be made and what will color the decisions and what idiosyncrasies will lead to those decisions. What preferences? Because it will be preference of one person. You see, in a relationship that is brought together by God, God creates the balance already because it's not all the time that we will like the same things. And it's because the fine balance in there is what keeps us on the straight and narrow. Somebody likes to spend money. Somebody doesn't like to spend money. So we'll be prudent. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Somebody likes to go out. Somebody doesn't like to go out. So we'll, we'll be moderate in our going out. We won't be street boys and girls. I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. You know, so that's, that's how it, the balance, that's why we say all the time, opposites attract. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. It's because there's a balance that comes into it when opposites attract. Yeah. Why? After opposite, opposites have attracted, then the power balance is in one direction. What's the, what's the use of the opposite that is attracting? I hope you understand what I'm saying. You become a control freak when you lack the understanding of why opposites attract. Yeah. You become a control freak when you lack the understanding of godly authority. You can be a boss, a CEO, a business owner today. The people who work for you or work with you, they are not your slave. If you work with anybody today, after I finish this message, and the person does not understand godly authority and is not living or working in godly authority, and you have a, uh, they are your boss, start to pray for another job. I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. You're supposed to leave a job better than the way you came in. What's the reason for a job? This will liberate somebody. It's not the money that you collect. It's who you become. <laughs> What's the need for money if you are becoming the wrong person? Because you can't buy who you become. If you earn a million naira a month and you are becoming an angry person, a cantankerous person, a crazy person because of who you are working with, after you have left the place, you have become a monster. Can you pay money to change it? That's why I said you have to pay attention to who you are becoming. If you are with the wrong person, I didn't say resign. Start to pray to God 
to give you another job. Yeah. Because you're a responsible person, you need the inflow to keep yourself together and keep uh, the people who are responsible to you. But you can't be praying to God that God, because of this reason, because I don't like who I'm becoming and this environment is bringing the fool out of me out. You know, in life there are, in every man there's a king and a fool. The one you speak to and provoke is the one that will talk to you. Yeah. There's an environment that you can be where is the fool in you that is being nurtured. <laughs> All the time. The, the, the environment is resourcing the fool in you. The wicked person in you. The, you know, sometimes the environment is resourcing the sinner in you. And you can't stay there and nurture the righteousness that God has given you in Christ Jesus. The environment is killing righteousness and nurturing wickedness in you. How much did you pay for Jesus to redeem you? So it's not about money. But Jesus paid the price when he gave his life on the cross. That's why I said, nobody, no job, no environment should be powerful enough to be changing who you are and undoing what Christ has done. And you are sitting down there because of money. It's already a bad decision. Every decision you are making on top of it cannot be good. So you have to turn it around. Don't forget we are discussing choosing life and making the right decisions. You have to be able to turn it around. Say amen, somebody. I'm very passionate about what I'm talking about tonight, so this is not a regular teaching by any chance. So if you're not shouting, I understand. Yeah. I don't have any problem with it. <laughs> uh, praise God. So it's very important, especially if you're single and you're in a relationship, to understand this thing about power balance. Maybe some other day at a singles event, I'm going to take more time to dwell on it or to teach more on it. Let's go to uh, some signs that you are under the unhealthy control of another person. I'm going to quickly run through um, about 12 of them. Then I will start to talk about uh, um, recognizing godly authority. Um, one. So the signs that you are under on, um, the unhealthy control of another person. One is that the controlling person you are in a close relationship with doesn't allow you to prove your point when in disagreement. Your point is irrelevant when there's a disagreement. It's a controlling relationship. Number two, the controlling person manipulates you with anger, tantrums, and threats. Anger, tantrums, and threats. So you can't even express yourself. Before you, they've gotten angry, they've, you know, throwing tantrums. They, they, all those things are just to camouflage. They just want to be in control. It's just manipulation. It's manipulation. Number three, the controlling person constantly tries to make victims feel guilty or bad about the way they treat them when the opposite is truly the case or really the case. So, the controlling person wants you to feel bad about how you are treating them. Meanwhile, you're the one that's supposed to be feeling bad about how they treat you. They just try to turn, you know, the whole thing around. I mean, you, you can imagine 
I was once counseling a young lady who has only been married for maybe about 18 months. Now, this lady was, you know, just stumbled into some, you know, funny things with her husband. I mean, you can imagine a lady who has only been married for about two years with herself and her husband trusting God for the fruit of the womb. And this lady found used condom in her husband's pocket. <laughs> and they are trusting God for the fruit of the womb, so they don't use condom. In fact, they've never used condoms since they got married. And the amazing thing was how this guy turned all these things around to the point that at the end of the day, this lady was kneeling down begging. Yeah. See how everybody was there. I mean, how bad can it get? It is your trouser, your clothes. I mean, she was just arranging clothes for dry cleaners. And she was bringing out the pocket to see, oh, maybe you forgot money. And just, I was like, what's this? So when I talk about control freaks and manipulators, I've seen a few of them. I've seen a few of them. I sat down with that guy. I told him straight to his face, I don't care what you think about what has happened and how you guys are resolving it, but the truth is that you can deceive some people sometimes, but you can't deceive all the people all the time. And I'm one of them. <laughs> no. It's, it's better you own up to what you have done. And, you know, I know the power equation in this relationship is terribly over-tilted in one direction uh, because you are the sole breadwinner and all that, all that. And, uh, you know. But you need to recognize that there's a God in heaven who rules in the affairs of men, including your own. And if there's anyone under the influence of my voice listening to me tonight, and you've, you're, you're living like that, you need to shape up. Yeah. God is the one who rules in the affairs of men. You can't continue to live your life as a control freak, as a manipulator. You can't change if you cannot accept that you are wrong. Control freaks find it difficult to accept that they are wrong. Yeah. Some people have been married. I, I met a woman, you know, once. Uh, I think it was like a house fellowship. I was attending a house fellowship. And we're having discussions. You know how we have discussions at uh, Connect Groups? Yeah. This was many years ago. Before elevation. This, I was in a house fellowship as a visiting pastor. So we're having discussions. And we got to that point of apologies. And I said, anybody that doesn't apologize is not a nice person, not a good person. It's not a good thing not to apologize, you know, and all that. The only thing was that the house, where we're having the house fellowship, the man and the woman of that house, they have been married as at that time for over 10 years. The lady cornered me outside after the fellowship. I said, Pastor, God sent you here today. I said, why? He said, this over 10 years I've been married. My husband has never uttered one word of apology before. He said, didn't you see that when you were talking, he was just looking to the roof? 
Glory be to Jesus. Number four. The controlling person is always expecting more from you and is never satisfied. Yeah. Always expecting more from you and is never satisfied. See, there's, there's a way somebody can communicate their dissatisfaction with you that will lead to inspiration for you. There's another way they can communicate their dissatisfaction with you that will kill your spirit. A controlling person is not communicating dissatisfaction with, because they actually want you to get better. It's that they want you to know that you can't do anything well and they want to keep control of your life. Yeah. And you need to be able to recognize that. Uh, number five, the controlling person is always questioning your motive. Uh, when you see somebody who always questions your motive, you are nice. You say, why are you nice? You are, you decide to change. You say, why are you, why are you, why are you being funny to me? Jesus said, John came. He was not doing anything with anybody. He was in the wilderness, eating locusts and wild honey and all that. They said he has, he has a demon. I came. I came into the open, eating with everybody. They, they said he's a friend of sinners and wine bibles. See, what the authorities in the days of Jesus wanted was to be in control of everybody's destiny. They would prefer that John lives his life in a, in a particular way and that Jesus lives his life in a particular way. They are just control freaks. I'm going to take you there very soon. When we start to talk about authority and how God the authority should be. They just, they just want to be in control. And that's what Jesus said. I'm here just to fulfill my destiny. You can't determine how I live my life and how I fulfill my destiny. Ladies and gentlemen, I need to understand. You don't need anybody's permission to fulfill your destiny. Yeah. You, first and foremost, you need God's permission. And every other person that God has brought into your life that's supposed to guide you into the fulfillment of your destiny. And somebody say, say after me this evening, say, I have a destiny to fulfill. And I will fulfill it by the grace of God in the name of Jesus. If you believe that, say a big amen. amen. So, the controlling person is constantly putting you down. Constantly putting you down. Constantly. All the time. Putting you down. I remember a particular uh, um, man many years ago that we invited to speak those days, we used to run success power conferences. We invited a man to speak. He was a business guy. He has a business partner. I just met a, uh, both of them a few months before my pastor said we should invite them. And, you know, they had a thriving business, you know, and all that. This guy came, made a powerful presentation. It's just like when you have, we have business roundtable and all that. You, you invite uh, a, a guest speaker. And he came with his business partner. This guy made a powerful presentation. He got a standing ovation. He was telling me later, when they left and they were going, he asked his business partner, how was it? He said, you just talk rubbish. He said, the guy, was, the guy just punched holes in everything he said and told him, you didn't make sense at all. You know? <laughs> they, they hear this. The business died a natural death their relationship, as in, they had to kill the business because the guy wanted to be in control of everything, including his own life. They had to go their separate ways. Obviously, he went into business partnership with a control freak who had his own interests at heart. You know the truth. 
the guy pref- would have preferred that we invited him. I'm telling you the truth. He would have preferred that he was the one that we invited. Because even when they were coming, he was already telling him that if you're not up to it, <laughs> I can, you can just step as a Sam, I'll stand in for you, you know, and all that. You know that you really can't speak fluently, you know. <laughs> when somebody's around you, they're always speaking about your weakness. He's the one, he was the one that we invited. We knew if he didn't, he couldn't speak fluently. We, we knew. But he was the one that we invited, and we knew he had the stuff that we wanted. I wasn't surprised when uh, the only thing was that, you see, that, and that's what happens when you are not. There's no better way to say this than to say it like this. When you are not alive in your life. <laughs> because this guy went into this business relationship just with a plain art. He was not alive to certain things that were happening. That relationship went so bad, the guy, they were treating each other with gone. Yeah. I'm telling you the truth. And they were supposed to be Christians. That's how you will know that this one, the hand of the devil is inside it. Somebody has a strange spirit. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Because the spirit of control is a spirit of witchcraft. And like I told you when I was starting, it's not only the people that fly that are witchcraft, that are witches. Many people don't fly at all. Their own witch, wizardry or witchcraft is stronger than the ones that fly. Yeah. And you just have to be aware of it and step up to it in time so that you don't lose control of your destiny. The controlling person is used to always having their way. Always having their way in everything, you know, just always wanting to have their way. When you have anyone around you who always would like to have his way, notwithstanding your preference, please note that this person is, is I mean, is demonstrating unnecessary control over you. The controlling person walks away from their responsibility as a way to manipulate others. Yeah. So when you see a man who says, I want, uh, he wants his wife to do something this way, and his wife is not doing it that way, and he says, because of that, I'm not going to pay the children's school fees. Why will you leave your responsibility just because you want to control me? You, I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. The very funny one is when you hire a driver and the driver is asking for more pay and you are, you are trying to negotiate and the driver drives you to the t- middle of Tomiland Bridge and says, eh, eh, Madam, I, I, I need to go. Since you have not agreed to, and the person knows that uh, maybe you don't know how to drive or you are pregnant or something. You know, immediately you say, don't worry. Uh, I, you will get a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a controlling person that will use the responsibility that they have to you to manipulate you. Respo- the, a responsible person knows whether things are playing my way or not. I have made a commitment to do X, Y, Z, and I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to go back on the commitment that I've made. Anytime people are going back on the commitment that they have made to you, because of a disagreement or anything, they're just manifesting the spirit of control. Is somebody say with me today? Yeah. So the, 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 the controlling person finds ways to impose their will 
in every situation. Number nine. The controlling person finds ways to impose their will in every situation. See, many years ago, I had a friend that three of us other friends had to come to a discussion one day to say that, have you noticed that so-and-so person is like this? So-and-so. so we all now agreed that it's high time we come to terms with the fact that you can never win an argument with this person. Yeah. Never. He has something to say about everything. So we now agree that any time there's an argument, we will just all echo it that you are, no, you are right. <laughs> so, you know the funny thing? This person is so bad at control that even when you say you are right, say, why am I right? <laughs> he just likes us to get into an argument by all means. No, you are right. You don't have to know why you are right. We just know that you are right. <laughs> we just know that you are, you know, you are too right, self. You are very right. You know. <laughs> you are over right. So we, we, we do. Because this, this guy can argue and he can never accept that he's wrong. I remember we used to pity his wife. Because his wife... <laughs> His wife cannot say anything that is correct. Yeah. It's, it's, we that we are friends, we have to agree that the only option we have is to walk away from this friendship. But because we have come a long way, it's okay. We won't walk away. We will just agree with you that you're always right. Yeah. This man can argue from morning till night. And he will not change his mind. When you meet people like that, that's a, a, con- a controlling spirit that is in, in manifestation. The, the controlling person threatens to end the relationship. Yeah. Some people get into a relationship, young people, listen to me. I mean, singles, listen to me. Get into a relationship, and before you know it, somebody is trying to till the power balance, and all they say is, you know, uh, let's, let's end the relationship. If, uh, this does, if it's not okay with you, I can just... Or they start to show you signs that they're no longer interested just because of a disagreement. Uh, I would ask that you critically examine the situation and you may have to walk away because you're already seeing the sign. Instead of Engaging in a constructive discussion about what you think is wrong. Trying to play the I'm not doing again card just shows that you are immature and you are a control freak. And when things are not going your way, then the relationship is not of God. Yeah. You know that's how some people, people who use God to manipulate other people. The controlling person sometimes threatens to commit suicide. That's the height of it, but it happens. It's not all the time that somebody says, I'll kill myself, that you should be running around. Sometimes you need to tell them, die now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You need to tell them, it's okay, it's okay. There's no problem. You can go ahead. Yeah. See, how else can 
Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. How else can siblings or parents handle better a situation where, for instance, a young man is hooked on drugs and he will still come to collect money from his brothers and sisters and they know what he's going to use it to do. And he says, if you don't give me, you won't see me again, I'll just walk away. Ah, please now, don't walk away. Please, uh, you know, uh, we are take, take. 20,000. The guy goes. Three or four days, he's back. The money is finished. And he used everything to smoke or to sniff something. And then he will go, maybe go and meet the mother. And the mother will call this person. They say, ah, but I gave him 20,000 last week. Eh, but you know, he doesn't have anything. And you know, ah, he's the only son that I have. And if he walks away now, we won't see him again. You know. At some point, you need to tell him, in fact, go very far. Walk away. <laughs> as far <laughs> as, he, as, he has, uh, as far as the east is from the west, just be going. Uh, go. Because you need to break away from the, the ma- manipulative spirit and the control spirit that this person is trying to manifest. Somebody listening to me tonight. Yeah? Because except we're willing to do that, we will continue to fall for the manipulation. The last one, number 12. The controlling person in a love relationship, an affectionate relationship, withholds physical affection. They say it all the time. There was some women withhold, uh, um, uh, denied their, their spouse's sex just to control them and all that. Some other times is the man too, or the men. They also do that. Uh, somebody just deliberately withdrawing from showing any kind of affection. Rather than sitting down to say, this is what is going on. I'm not happy with it. How can it change, you know, and all that. Yeah. I mean, I can hold briefs for the women because sometimes it's difficult for you to allow a man that is abusing you or that is not treating you like a lady to not touch you and be trying to, you know, it's only when they want something that they're trying to be nice, you know, that kind of thing. It's sometimes, but this is my advice to you as your pastor. Don't deny him his right, but communicate. Say it. You know, you know, I didn't enjoy that, or you know, I didn't really like that, because I feel that it's only when it comes to this situation that you become nice. Or, this and these are the issues, and we need to address them, because I cannot continue to sweep everything under the carpet. Power equilibrium gives room for vulnerability, and it's when you are vulnerable that you can speak your mind. Many relationships lack vulnerability, because the power equation is tilting or the power balance is out of control. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. If you don't get anything from what I'm saying here tonight, just start to look out for the power balance in your life. It's going to help you. It's only God that we depend on 100%. Every other person is not worth that. Let me wrap this all up. Godly authority. 
Glory be to Jesus. I hope you are getting something out of this tonight. All right, let's wrap it up um, in just a couple of minutes. Romans chapter 13, when you read from, can you put it up for me from verse 1 of Romans 13? Romans 13 from verse 1. Romans 13 from verse 1, I'll read down to like verse 4. The Bible says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there's no authority except from God, and the authority that exists are appointed by God. Verse number 2, it says, therefore, whoever receives the authority receives the ordinance of God. And those who resist will, be, will, will bring judgment on themselves. Verse number 3. For rulers are not a terror to good works. I want you to note that. Rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. Verse number four. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. When you travel to America, Americans are very afraid of their policemen. And it's simply because they don't take bribe. Yeah. So when you hear the siren of police behind you, if you are driving home, it means they want to pull you off. You park. Notwithstanding how righteous you are, you will still be wondering. But the only way that you can step out boldly and maybe put your hand up, no issues and all that, is when you know that you are not over speeding and you don't have any contraband in your vehicle and all that. That's why it says, it said that uh, uh, <laughs> rulers are not terrors. You understand? And you can only be afraid if you have done evil. Now, the way godly authority should operate is that it should be based on responsibility. It should be based on the fact that an authority is not an end in itself. It should be based on a sense of responsibility. Let me give you an example of what I'm saying. Many people have made bad choices in life just because you have vested all the power of decision-making in one person. A good example, a pastor. I'm a pastor, but I'm going to tell you the truth. There's no way it's written in the Bible that your pastor should make all your decisions for you. No way. Go and read it. All true. Pastors should guide Pastors should resource your capacity for decision-making. Pastors can pray along with you that God will speak to you and give you wisdom. And when they hear something from God, they can say it to you, perhaps it will resonate with you. It's not an instruction. That's why the Bible says we judge prophecy. Why should we judge prophecy if it becomes an instruction? We live in an environment where people shake around people with prophetic gift. I operate in prophetic gift. I don't like it when anybody shakes around me. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying tonight. We have turned everything upside down. I am, there's no pastor that is God. There's only one God. One. 
We need to understand, and I wish that many more ministers will also understand it. Let me drive this home a little more. I know my time is up, but let me drive this home. Just, Pastor Deborah, can I have five minutes? All right. I'm under authority here. All right. <laughs> uh, um, Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. When you read from verse 5. Can you put it up for me? Matthew chapter 8 from verse 5. Every man that will not operate in this wise will abuse authority. I'm going to explain what I mean. Matthew chapter 8 from verse 5. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him. Verse 6. Saying, Lord, my servant is laying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Look at what the centurion said. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. But only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Let's go on. Verse 9. This is where I'm going. For I also am a man. Can you echo that word? For I also am a man. Having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. And he goes. To the another, come. And he comes. To my servant, do this. And they do it. When Jesus, when Jesus had it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have never found such great faith, even in Israel. When you read this passage of the scripture, there's a possibility for you to be thinking that what Jesus called great faith is that the man believed that he doesn't have to come under his roof. He should just speak the word only. That was great faith. But when you compare that with the faith of the woman with the issue of blood, who said, if I may just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Is that not still faith? But Jesus said, this one is greater than that one. That means, this faith was more than just the believing aspect of it. The understanding of authority was what made it greater. Because this man said, I am also like you, a man under authority. The man recognized that Jesus, the authority that he has, is a delegated authority under the authority of God. Godly authority must be recognized as delegated authority. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. As delegated authority. Not authority that you own. The man did not say, for I also have authority. No. He said, I also am a man under authority. So I say to this one, go and he goes. Say to that one, come and he comes. So because you, Jesus, you're just like me. Mine is to physical soldiers. You, in the spirit. You have delegated authority. You know one thing about delegated authority? It cannot fail. (laughs) Because it's not based on your height. It's not based on your size. It's based on who sent you. <laughs> I don't know if you're, if you're getting what I'm saying. Yeah. It's based on the person that sent you. And when you have that mindset that I have delegated authority, it just changes everything. You are careful. 
Yeah. When you see a business owner, a young CEO, who does not understand that the money, the business, everything belongs to God, he will not live and operate as if he has delegated authority. He will become the Alpha and the Omega. He's unquestionable about the resources of the organization. He talks to people anyhow, wash them down, behave anyhow. Leave that kind of place. You cannot be under somebody with ungodly authority and truly prosper. I'm telling you the truth. Because they will limit the expression of the grace that you carry. They will limit it. The expression of the grace that you carry. Is somebody say with me tonight? Yeah. So delegated authority is godly authority is delegated authority. And godly authority carries the character of God. The character of God. Whenever you cannot see the character of God in the kind of authority that somebody is trying to have over you is an ungodly authority. If somebody stay with me. That's an ungodly authority. That's why I don't care the title that the man of God carries. It has not been approved by heaven for a man of God to look at a, 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 a young man and a young lady and say, Hey, neighbor, this is your wife. Marry her. That's the height of witchcraft. Somebody say with me tonight. We're talking about decisions. We live in a time and an age where Christians have become so lazy. All we want is for somebody to tell us what to do. When God says, you can, you can know my mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He said, you can know my mind. He said, I has not seen. Yes, I've not heard. Neither has he entered into the heart of man. The things that God has proposed to them who love him. But he said, <laughs> these things he has revealed to us by his spirit. <laughs> by his spirit. And where is that spirit? In you. Am I saying it's wrong for somebody to prophesy into your life? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm only saying that when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you will see there, prophecy is to edification, exhortation, and comfort. Prophecy is not supposed to bring fear into your heart. Yeah. It's not supposed to bring fear into your heart. It's to edify you. It's to bring comfort to you. It's to, it's to, it's to reinforce and confirm the things that God is already talking to you about. So that you can gain motion for your destiny. Prophecy is a propeller. It's not the engine. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. No. Because some people just live their life, you know. And some of us have parents who still live like that. You want to get a job. You want to, you, you want to pick a job. You, you want to marry. Your mom says, I've gone to the prophet. And they say that that's not your husband. Is that right for a New Testament believer? No. My friend was here last Thursday. Pastor Busuya Rosho. About um, 20 years ago. It's going to be 20 years in August that he got married. 20 years ago. Or let me say like 21 years ago. A year before he got married. He came to see me. And we're discussing. Uh, that was just shortly before he left for Canada. <laughs> and he said, Jim, you know, 
my parents-in-law, they've just been funny. I said, why? They said, they said, we can't marry. I said, <laughs> they said, I'm going to break your missed leg. I'll kill her. Right, but I will first of all start by breaking her leg. That that's what the prophet told my mother-in-law. <laughs> he said, but Jima, you know all those things are just stupid things. You know the way Pastor Fosei talks? It was here last week. He said, those things are just silly things. The Bible never told us that. That's, it has been like how we spoke to you last week forever. <laughs> said, the Bible never said that. And I'm just going to rejoice in the spirit and keep confessing the word. And I'm marrying, I'm, I'm going to marry her. There's nothing they can do about it. Now, 20 years later, has, has he broken her leg? <laughs> if they allowed the prophecy that came to the mother-in-law to prevail over that situation, they would never be married today. Anything that does not resonate with your spirit is junk and it belongs in the dustbin. Are you still with me tonight? Yeah. It's just an operation of an authority abuser, a control freak, somebody who is just using spiritual gift to manipulate. That's what is happening. And you need to be aware of that. Now, let me wrap this all up. In a relationship situation, in Ephesians chapter 5, when you read from verse 22, because somebody may be asking, where's the place of submission in all this? I need to balance it up just before I, I, I wrap this all up. The Bible says, in verse 22 of Galatians chapter 5, oh, Ephesians chapter 5, Husband, love your wife. Wives, submit to your own husband, right? And all that, you, 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 yeah. Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. And in verse 25, Say for the husband is the head of the wife and also as Christ is the head of in verse 25 it says husband love your wife just as Christ also loved the church you see that the authority that a man has must have embedded in it the character of Christ the moment the character of Christ is out that authority has no basis I don't know if you understand what I'm saying yeah when it says, wives, submit to your own husband as unto the Lord. Go back to verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husband as unto the Lord. Verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church and is the savior of the body. That means this authority that a man has over a woman is godly authority. It has to be godly. And one of the major character of godly authority is that it must have the character of God in it. Yeah. It's as Christ is the head of the church. It's as Christ loved the church. But we, we, what we see today is that people flaunt the authority without the character of God. Lastly today, Genesis 2 and verse 15. The Bible says, when God, within his original intention, gave man authority and dominion over the garden it was for a purpose what's the purpose then the lord god took the man and put him in the garden of eden to tend and to keep it wherever god has given you authority the sole responsibility that you have there is to tend and to keep it whether it's a man whether it's a young man whether it's a woman whether it's any any area of life that god has given you authority and dominion to rule and to lead there 
it is for nurturing. Yeah, it is for nurturing. See, these are ministers, men of God here. They've accepted me as their spiritual father. It's a great responsibility. The primary purpose of the authority that I have over this church, over the ministers, over members, is for nurturing. When God gave Adam the garden, it is to keep and tend it, not to kill it. <laughs> I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, to keep and to tend it. So, godly authority must have the character of God. Godly authority is for edification, is for nurturing. If anybody has any kind of authority over you and is not looking like all this that I've mentioned is an ungodly authority, it has to be challenged. It has to be challenged. I know I've said a lot tonight. And I've actually just come to provoke you to understand that God will not excuse you if your life is going the wrong direction. You have to take responsibility for how your life is turning out. You cannot say it's because a prophet said or a pastor said or this is what, you know, my father said. Yeah. I know the church in Nigeria, we're always, are almost now getting to a point where we're raising dummies as Christians. <laughs> in the name of submission to authority. Yeah. Yes. We need to submit to authority, but I'm saying that that authority must be godly authority. If not, God will not excuse us. I love to pray.